Hello again, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet Movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch the Muppet movie two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. Joining us today, we have a very special guest star. Tell the audience who you are, special guest. Hello. I, I'm really flattered by being called that. My name is Christy Admiral. How are you guys doing today? Doing very well. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. And today we are looking at minutes 55 and 56 of the Muppet movie, where we begin with Rolf finishing his line, a drop of rain for every falling star. And we end just after, I hope that something better comes along, does. Does end, that is. Uh, with Steve Martin yelling, phone call, and then getting cut off. So that's that's the span of these two minutes. This is another one of our um, unintentional teasers. It's like, who who's that phone call for? <laughs> who's on the phone? Who are they trying to call? No, no, it struck me that this one is a bit of a softball for me because it literally is just the song and one line of dialogue. And I, I was pretty excited about that. It meant not a ton of research on my own. <laughs> sure. Well, and actually, uh, I, I should tell the audience, the reason that I asked you to come on this episode is because on Twitter, you've spoken of your affection for Rolf several times. I didn't realize that my brand of loving, like, children, ostensibly children's entertainment pianists is so strong that I would be invited on a podcast for it. But I'm grateful to be in that position. Yeah, I love Rolf. Rolf has been my favorite Muppet since I was a kid. And I hadn't seen this movie since college, but this is still my favorite scene in the movie. So I was, yeah, I was pumped to talk about it. Are there other piano players from Children's Entertainment that that you're a fan of, or is it I mostly... mean, it's just him and Schroeder mainly. Because ah. <laughs> like I used to dress like Schroeder intentionally because I was apparently that level of affectation going on in college. But you know, <laughs> I I think I got past that, but still pretty into both of them. But you you've never dressed like Ralph. You've never worn like a big old <laughs> brown. It would not be a hard costume now that you're saying that. And I'm going to a couple conventions this year. So, I mean, not yet. Sure. There's still, you're young. There's still time. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. Thank you. Sure. Um, but yeah, so we should, we should get into the song itself. Yes. I hope that something better comes along, which is maybe the most adult. Well, no, is definitely the most adult song. Oh, certainly. In the, um, I mean, from, we, we open with Rolf. One of his early lines here is, I have a couple of beers, I read a book, have a couple of beers, take myself for a walk and go to bed. So either way, he's drinking beers, right? Yes. Which there's a lot of alcohol talk in this section of the movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, in general, though, the lyrics to the song are very adult. So what are some lines that stand out for you guys? Christy, I'll start with you. Like, what, what are some lines you enjoy or are kind of surprised by i mean i'm i mostly enjoy the number of times it seems like rolf has a predilection for either scottish or irish dogs because we get a mention of an irish setter and a referencing dogs as lassies and i like that i like that there's a bit of a theme going on there he has a type yeah that's true well and actually on the muppet show he sang a love song to a photo of lassie in season one. Whoa, really? Okay, I, I was unaware of that. Well, yeah, I mean, it goes it goes farther back than that because on when Ralph was a regular character on the Jimmy Dean show, it was a running gag that Ralph was 
in love with Lassie. I was re- like, I've read a- up a little bit on his history because I like to do a bit of research. And it is interesting to me that apparently the soundtrack version of this song is a little more suggestive than the movie version of the song. Is that like, is there something to that? Well, there, yes. there are more lyrics. Um, yeah, right. It's longer. I noticed that. Yeah, in fact, I the line about the saucy Irish setter, is that in the movie version? I thought that was only in the soundtrack I think version. that's just a soundtrack version. Yeah. And the last scene gets a mention in the movie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, although the line about um, coming back, Kermit inviting someone back to his room to see, to, to his lily pad to see his etchings. Is, yeah, that's not it's, subtle. <laughs> no, it's not subtle at all. <laughs> Yeah, I did some some Googling to see what I could find about the origins of Come Up and See My Etchings, which seems to be sort of a a trope that that was common in in pop culture for a long time, but now has sort of faded away. And yeah. it, it's it's obviously like like you're saying, it means it it's a way of inviting someone to come over to your place without actually just coming out and saying, hey, I want you to come over to my place. By right. You know, by also, etching is a type of artwork. So it's, and it, a lot of uh, articles that I found compared it to today's Netflix and chill. That's a really, no, that's a direct point of comparison. That's pretty good. Yeah. I know my familiarity with this phrase actually stems from Harry Potter because when I was reading it for the first time, Hermione uses this phrase, which makes sense because she's a little antiquated sometimes. And right. I think I did have to look up what it meant because it's not part of common parlance at all anymore. I wonder if it lives on in England then, if they still talk about it. Oh, possibly, yeah. I mean, I did read the Americanized versions, but they still occasionally have their their cute little tossed off English phrases just to make us feel like we're part of it. So yeah, no, that right. could be. <laughs> Yeah. Um, one thing that I found was that I, I just think this is amusing. One of the earliest known uses is from Horatio Alger's 1890 book, The Eerie Train Boy, in which a woman tells a man, I have a new collection of etchings that I want to show you. And he responds, I shall no doubt find pleasure in examining the etchings, which you hold out as an inducement to call. Yeah. Wow. That was like something out of a Kate Beaton comic. <laughs> Right? That is a bold line from a lady in that era. I'm into it. (laughs) So that's that that was the most interesting thing I found in my research on etchings. (laughs) And how about you, Ryan? Any any lines that jump out? Um, Well, so from the uh, the lyrics that made it into the movie, um, I've always liked a skunk was badgered. The results were strong. (laughs) <laughs> which I, I couldn't sit down and explain to you exactly what that means, but it just sounds really good. <laughs> right. And also really right. like full of innuendo. Right. Well, and that's, that's the same way I feel about some getting itch- Some get an itching for a critter they've been scratching. Uh, yeah. That's just a really good slant rhyme, you know? Yeah, it there's is. A lot of yeah. them in there. Yeah. And then uh, there's another, another couple of lines that are on the soundtrack version that were cut from the movie version. Um, Kermit says, I don't mean to scare you, my friend, but I betcha some Father's Day the litter bug's gonna getcha. That's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> no, I like that a lot. What I what I was mostly doing was like like going over my old collection of like I don't remember what the album is called. It might be called the Green Album, the album that's just artists doing Muppet songs. Yeah. Ma- yes. Yeah, so, so the Matt Nathanson uh, I hope that something better comes along, includes all of the, I guess, dirty lyrics. 
So it's a, it's still such a sweet sounding song, but, it, but that is a, that's what I was given a listen to before this too. Oh, but I haven't heard that any of those songs since it came out. I should, oh, yeah. I should, some of those songs are very good. Some of yeah, them, that's good stuff. Yeah, a lot of them are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of it being very sweet sounding, I think that's part of the thing is if it wasn't Kermit and Rolf, like this song could border on being misogynistic or at least chauvinistic. Oh yeah, definitely. Right? But um, it's but it's Kermit and Rolf. If it were if it were human puppets or I guess human muppets in the scenario, uh, it, it would not have quite the same amount of charm that it has. And if it were human beings, it would be much much worse. Right, but it's all yeah. just like simple puns. So it's just kind of like okay, but you know. Yeah, that's interesting. the The fact that it's puppets and that it's full of animal jokes that yeah they really take advantage of the fact that they're both puppets and a frog and a dog singing the song <laughs> also that it's jim henson singing a duet with himself it like tickles me to no end yeah it, it, it's and it's so impressive like, it is you, you don't think about it like no you, you, don't, you don't dwell on you know like what order did he record these parts in? who cares it's just kermit and ralph you know it's amazing it's just two buddies hanging out, singing about <laughs> woman troubles. Except they're a frog and a dog. It's yeah, it's outstanding. It's very good. So yeah, that's uh, that's one of the problems with this particular segment of the movie, though, is it's basically just the song, and it's the shortest song in the entire movie. Also, oh, I did See, not. So that, that that makes me wonder, though, why did they cut out those extra lyrics? I, I don't think the song would have suffered from being a little bit longer with those lines being as clever as they were. It's, right. I, it seems like it was a situation of family friendliness, but to me, they're not so... I mean, it's it's not like they're cursing. It's not like they're saying something explicit. It's more just cleverness. And there are already so many kind of clever, irreverent lines in this that it doesn't seem like it would have hurt to have two more. Right, and they left it on the, the soundtrack record, which <laughs> millions of kids grew up with. Yeah, right, right yeah, exactly. Al- which, which has Gonzo floating with balloons on the back. Like, it's not like it's an adult album, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, an- another line that I really like, have always really liked, is she made a monkey out of old King Kong. That, that is an outstanding line. <laughs> which, of course, like, if you watch King Kong, Fay Ray got kidnapped by him. It's not like she was te- teasing him or <laughs> Yeah, have you ever seen, I don't know if it started as a poster or a calendar or what, but there's an image of, uh, of King, like Miss Piggy in King Kong's giant paw. Have you ever seen that out there? I yeah. have not. I always picture that when I hear Kermit sing this line. Maybe that's oh, that what sense. the intent was. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe that inspired them to, to make that poster. <laughs> yeah. Although I do wonder if the like, Jeff Bridges, Jessica Lange movie which was recent, actually inspired that line. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I think King Kong has always been in, you know, people recognize who that is, but yeah, I, I guess it was more in the in the, the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah, because that, that movie was just three years old when this one came out. Yeah. You know? Oh, wow. I did, I, uh, the breakdown of number of King Kongs that exist out there, or King's Kong, I guess, um, <laughs> is... is like that's beyond me. I, I've seen the original. I have not seen the Peter Jackson. I have not seen the one starring Jeff Bridges. It's a, I, there's too many of them. Um, yeah, the, the original is really all you need. Like the the seventies movie isn't very good. The two thousand and five movie isn't very good. So 
I liked the two thousand the two thousand five movie, and I thought the uh, Skull Island movie was pretty good. I loved Skull Island. It's not Oh, like, I haven't seen it. I haven't oh seen man, it. oh man, Mark Evan Jackson is in it. That should be all you need to see. It. Oh, is he? Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. He dramatically eats a sandwich at one point. I know this is off topic, but I feel like there has to be some overlap of people who enjoy Muppets podcasts and people who enjoy the Thrilling Adventure Hour. I'm sure there are. <laughs> there has to. Or be. if not, if, have enjoyed his work on The Good Place or Parks and Rec or Brooklyn Nine Nine. Any Mike Sure show, yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, anything else about this song specifically before we move on? Um, I just, you see this briefly during one of the, the choruses, I think, but um, we get a shot of this, this uh, decorative tree thing above Ralph's piano, and I, I don't know exactly what that's supposed to be or if anything like it actually exists in the world, but... I'm, I'm, I've always been kind of fascinated by it. It's like a fake tree with these these little lights that are flashing while they're singing. The set dressing in this movie in general is fascinating to me. Like I could spend an entire viewing of it just looking at what's going on in the background, which I know is intentional. And it, that that did catch my eye and I got stuck on it for a little while. Sure. Yeah, well, and that's one of the things we've been talking about a lot over the course of this podcast is there's so many little touches that you don't notice until you're watching it with a fine tooth comb. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's great. Yeah, and I mean, that's probably true with all Muppet movies, but I assume like this and maybe Muppets Take Manhattan have the most of that. Yeah, I mean, they both have so many, so much real world locations and stuff too. Right. Which... Yeah, Muppets Take Manhattan has a very kind of real world feel to it. Mm -hmm. So, Christy, well, since we had you on, you, you mentioned you hadn't watched this movie since college, you said, right? Yeah, I, I mean, this is now naming like how old I am, I suppose. That that would have been about a decade ago. But my familiarity with the movie is pretty strong because it was one of the VHSs I watched over and over again and wore out when I was a kid. Sure. So, I mean, and you, you said that you thought it held up, but like, did, did it play differently for you as an adult? Like, did you... How, how, how was the experience this time? I have noticed that I laugh a lot more at Muppet movies like this. And The Great Muppet Caper was on TV. Like, I caught it on cable recently and ended up watching the end of it. Uh, they're a lot funnier to me now than they were when I was a kid. And I don't think it's because the jokes have gotten any better. It's just that I've gotten older and understand more of the jokes. Sure. Yeah. So, so if anything, this is uh, the the material has been elevated in my mind since I was a kid. I, I, in the bulk of my experience with Muppets was just watching Muppet movie over and over again, then watching Muppet Babies for hours every day every summer when I was in elementary <laughs> school. So like that's not as strong a basis as obviously either of you have or most like adult fans of Muppets have, but it's there and. Now that my tastes are a little more refined, I think I'm into the movies a little bit more than I was as a kid. Sure. So, but, so ha have you seen them all? Like, have you seen the newer ones? I haven't, I did not see Muppets Most Wanted. I saw uh, the uh, Jason Siegel Nick Stoller Muppets, I think the weekend it came out, because I did marry somebody who's pr who was pretty into the Muppets at different points of his life. Sure. And I love the, like, Stoller and Siegel, I've loved everything they've done together. And I really like 
the 2011 Muppets. Like, I, I know not everyone, like, I know not all purists love it as much as the older ones, and they, and they probably shouldn't, but I really enjoy it. I think it's a, I think it's good and whimsical and just the right level of fourth wall breaking. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I mean, we'll, we'll talk more about this in six years, <laughs> but I, I like it. I like Muppets Most Wanted more though. I think if you liked that movie, you would also like the next one. Like, yeah, I, I would like, definitely recommend it. Okay. I'll, uh, no, I'll keep it in mind. It wasn't, it wasn't even that I was avoiding it. It's just that like, I don't go to movies that often. It's a little weird that I went to see that one the weekend it came out, but I'm glad I did. Sure. So, like, I mean, like I said, there's this one, I think we're going to run a little short. So anything well, else? I have a, a couple of, like, random, not not random, but uh, more miscellaneous notes about the scene and the song. Oh, um, in the June 12th, 1978 draft of the script, this, uh, after the song... Statler and Waldorf were going to make an appearance, which I think I think we've read about them being in that draft once before at the El Slizo. So this would have been their second appearance. Um, at the end of the song, uh, the camera would cut to them. Waldorf would say, what do you think of the song? And Statler would say, it's not often you see a frog and a dog singing a turkey. <laughs> okay, apparently that joke really landed for me and I'm still in the movie. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. I think it's a solid joke, although I and actually I kind of wish they had done it because I like the idea of them having an audience for this very personal number. Mm. That's like basically a conversation, right? In an yeah. empty bar room, yeah. Especially yeah, so, if it's just Stadler and Waldorf. Stadler and Waldorf, right? <laughs> and I like the idea that we cut to them, and it's like, here's my thoughts on that as a production number. Was <laughs> <is> dumb. <laughs> yeah, but as we we've theorized before that they. It seems like they made the decision to focus on Kermit sort of meeting and accumulating the more important Muppet characters. So I guess Statler and Waldorf didn't make the cut. They didn't, you know, they 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 kept them in the the framing sequence at the screening room. Right. Well, and at the beginning, they the first thing they say is, "We're here to heckle the Muppet movie." Yeah. Right. <laughs> Not like we're here to see our movie that we're in. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that, we, that, we, that we took part in willingly. Like, yeah. You know. uh, the other notes I had. This song was number 41 on toughpigs.com's top 60 Kermit moments. And uh, it was the song was the B-side of the single that had Rainbow Connection as the A-side. So that was a pretty good single. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, did they do Moving Right Along as a single otherwise? Uh, I think they did. I don't have that in front of me. But yeah, I don't know if that was... I, I would think Moving Right Along would probably have been an A-side. But I don't know. We can... I guess so, yeah. that up. But yeah. It, maybe what that would have been with the, the one Gonzo number, like the one kind of emotional Gonzo number. Yeah, I hope number. that something better comes along. Yeah. Yeah, that's possible. Anyway, man, I would I would love you, to find... You mean, I'm going to go back there someday. What did I say? You said, I hope that something better comes along. <laughs> that's this song. <laughs> I, I know things. I swear. I, I know I you know things. Um... But I didn't know that this time. Yeah, I'm going to go back there someday. Of course. A song that my wife sang to our newborn daughter the moment after she was born. So I really should remember that. Well, anyway, that gave me enough time to look it up. And moving right along was the A side of a single that had never before, never again on the B side, which makes sense. Miss Piggy. So it's the Frank Oz showcase. Yeah. Rainbow Connection and this were the Jim Henson showcase. Oh, yeah. How about that? Man, there's so many good songs in this movie, you guys. 
there's so many songs and they are all good. I know like this was my top top of line note watching it this time. Like there is not a bad song in this movie and it's crazy because it's very song dense. Yeah. Yeah. And they're all good. Even, and we're going to get to this later, but um, the music when animal grows giant <laughs> that like, that I love even that. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to it. That that song cue is called Animal Comeback Animal, which I've always liked that too. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Anything else? That's all I have. All right, then I think that just about brings us back down to the end of this one. So uh, please check out toughpigs.com on the internet. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, all over the place. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. And Christy, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, so my Twitter handle is Admiral Christie, and that is C-H-R-I-S-T-Y. And that's a pretty good way to find me on the internet in general. I also host a podcast called the California Diarists, and that is at californiadiarists at uh, podbean.com. And that is a very niche podcast about the weirdest and best babysitters club spinoff that I always feel a little weird plugging. <laughs> Well, if I can put in an additional plug for it, I've never read any of those books. And yeah, okay, we're friends, but I've never read any of the books and I listened to every episode so far. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, and it's a young show. The fourth episode will be out in about a week and a half. So it it is a young, limited run podcast. So if you want to get in on the ground floor of me talking to my very enthusiastic friends about a deeply weird middle grade series, then come on over and that's the like I, honestly for listeners if you have any interest in young adult literature from the 1990s i would recommend that christie's podcast <laughs> i i appreciate that a lot thank yeah, you yeah i mean that's that's a, a fascinating topic <laughs> it's sure. there is a lot there and i'm finding out that people i know know a lot more about it than i do and you can listen to me find uh, that out in real time yeah it's great so uh thank you again for joining us it was a real pleasure to have you Oh, absolutely. It was a delight. I, if, if Rolf appears in this movie again, which he does, then you can, I can come on right back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, listeners, if you're so inclined, give us a positive review on iTunes and uh, tell all your friends about the show. Our theme music is by Stacey Rosen and our logo is a dollop of Morgan Davies logo gravy. Thank you. Join us again next week for Moving Right Along. Bye. Bye. Okay, so I'm joined by my three-year-old daughter, Iris. Iris, say hello. Hello. So what did we just watch? Mm, I know. What movie was it? Mm, the Muppet. Yeah, we watched the Muppets. What happened? Who was in it? Rolf and Kermit. And what did Rolf and Kermit do in this one? I know. Sing. They, they did. They sang a song, right? Who? What? What was Rolf playing? Um, he was playing 
hope that something better comes along. I hope that something better comes along. And he was playing it on what instrument? A piano. A piano, that's right. And and there was a pirate one time. There was a pirate one time? Yep. On the Muppet movie? Uh, just kidding. I'm just going to talk about the pirate one. Okay, tell me about the pirate one. There's a, there was a mean pirate one time. And what happened? Um, he was really mean to Miss Peggy and Comet. Long John Silver? Yeah. Yeah. That's a different movie. Pirate one. That's a, Yeah, the pirate one's a different movie, isn't it? Yeah. And they tried to go to the Muppet Show by all by themselves. Who did? Um, Miss Piggy and Comet. And what happened? Um, um, the pirate didn't let him. That's right. What did he do to them? He hung them upside down. He hung them upside down, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else you want to say before we're done? Nope. Say goodbye. Bye.